Well, good morning and happy Easter. We are so glad that you have chosen to join us to worship online today. Whether it's your first time or you've been here so many times that you've lost track, I do want to point out a couple of helpful things to you. If you're on lifepointohio.com forward slash watch, if you are a guest with us today, we, we would ask you to do us a favor. And so we would love for you to click the button that says guest info, and we would love to hear from you and find a way to reach back out to you so that we can help you take your next step in your spiritual journey. And I also want to thank LifePoint regular attenders and members. You have been so generous to us through this coronavirus disruption. And so if you want to give to LifePoint Church, you can do that by clicking the online giving button. Uh, you can set up recurring giving if you like, or you can just give a one-time gift. We, we want to again say uh, thank you for how you're helping us serve our community, both here in central Ohio and, and truly to the ends of the earth, uh, we're able to, to serve and impact people. So we're in the last week of a series that we're calling Daybreak. And the big idea in the series is that every day reflects the resurrection. And as I was thinking about this, you know, preparing for this series and preparing for, for this Easter, Easter message, what I, what I couldn't help thinking of, and maybe it's a little bit corny, but I, I just couldn't help of thinking about how, how it really is true that once you have encountered Jesus's life-changing, life-saving power, that every day really does reflect the resurrection. Every day reflects the reality that Jesus, our Lord, that his tomb is empty and he calls people from, from death to life. And, and as I was honestly driving, driving here this morning to, to prepare to record this, uh, it was a cloudy day and, and I was watching the, the sun come up and it just reminded me that every time that we see a sunrise, we can be reminded that, that this day, the day that I'm living today, this day reflects the resurrection, that, that my Lord and my King, he he lives. And so before we get into the text today, we're going to be in John chapter 20. If you want to flip there a thumb there with whatever, whatever you have, uh, I'd like you to think about a question with me for, for just a moment. And, and the question I'd like you to think about with me is, has Jesus changed your life? If you and I could, could sit down and right now it'd be over a Zoom call or something like that, but if you and I could sit down and, and have coffee or, or have a meal together, and if I were to ask you the question, has Jesus changed your life? What would you say? And, and I know a lot of us, we would say, yeah. Yeah, he, he has. Jesus, Jesus has changed my life. I think some of us would say, I, I think so. Like I, I, I trust him and I love him. And, but if I were to begin to ask you, well, in what ways has Jesus changed you, your life? You might struggle to come up with, with some options or some, some examples of how Jesus has, has impacted your, your life or changed your life. And some of us, we would say, uh, no, I don't, I don't really think that Jesus has changed my life. And, and the great news for us today is that Jesus loves us. And by his power, he can change our lives. He can give us life. So let's take a minute and let's pray as we prepare our hearts to jump into God's word. Father in heaven, we, we love you. We praise you. We, we thank you. God, we are so thankful that you, in your love for us, have chosen to reveal yourself to us through your holy word. And God, you've chosen to reveal yourself to us most fully through your son, Jesus the Christ. So Father, as we begin to, to study your word together, we acknowledge to you that we need your help. And so Father, by your Holy Spirit, who is not confined to a particular place, so God, by your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would move in each of us, wherever we may be this morning. 
Because Father, our, our desire is not simply to learn some stuff or to do something on a Sunday morning looking at a screen. God, that is not our, our hope. But Father, our, our hope is to become more like your son, Jesus. And we confess to you that we can't do that on our own. And so Father, as we study your word together this morning, please change us. Please make us more like your son, Jesus. Father, we love you. We pray all of these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. So John chapter 20, we're going to read verses 1, 1 through 10. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple who we learned from reading the gospel of John and other sources that he is our author. The other disciple is, is John, our author. She went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So as has become our habit in Mount Vernon, we're gonna make three observations about the text. And the first observation that we're gonna make about the text is that Mary ran to Peter and John. And so the text tells us that Mary Magdalene, she went to the tomb really early in the morning and her plan was to see Jesus's dead body and to care for it. And she arrives at the tomb and I imagine it being like a brisk, cold morning. And she, she sees that the stone has already been rolled away and she, she looks in and she sees that Jesus is not there. And so she, she doesn't know where Jesus's body is. And so she runs. She runs back to Peter and to John. And there's, there's a little detail that I, I just find so moving about this, this thing that John includes in the text is the fact that she ran to Peter and to John, because if you've read the scriptures, you're familiar with the story, but let me remind you. So on Thursday night, Jesus was having a meal with his disciples. And in the course of those conversations, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you're gonna deny me. You're gonna deny me three times. And Peter says, no master, never. I would never deny Jesus. Even if I had to die, I would never deny you. But as Thursday night rolled on, Jesus was right. Jesus is always right. And Peter, three separate times, denies that Jesus is his Lord, denies that he even knows him. And I want us to think about Peter for just a moment, because in that moment, the text tells us that Peter left after this third time and he hears the rooster crow and he went out and he weeps bitterly. And Peter had a choice to make. Do I, do I go back to be with the disciples? Do, do I go back to be with the people of Jesus or have I, have I blown it? Have I done something that is so unforgivable that I can never go back? 
Maybe I should just wander. I, sh- I should just leave. Maybe I should go back home to Galilee and I, I know that I can fish and I can just, I can fish and I can, I can make a living. But, but you know, Peter had, Peter had a decision to make. And we know from the text that we read this morning what decision he made. Peter went back. Because Peter knew as he confesses in the gospel of John that Jesus has the words of life. Where else would we go, Peter, Peter says. And so, so it's remarkable that Mary, when she runs to go tell someone that Jesus's body is gone, she runs to Peter and to John. And the reality is a lot of us, we feel like Peter felt on Thursday night and Friday morning. We, we feel like we've done something or done some stuff, or maybe right now we're doing some stuff. And we, we wonder, am I allowed to go back? Am I allowed to, to be a part of the people of God? Am I allowed to be considered someone who is following Jesus? Or have I done something that's so bad that the grace of Christ could not cover those sins or that sin? And I want to encourage you this morning, if you struggle with that, with that self-loathing or the guilt that you experience, I want to remind you that the grace that we find in Jesus Christ is big enough for you. It is big enough to cover every single sin that you have ever committed or that I have ever committed. And so, so maybe what you need to hear this morning is to, to go back. You've not blown it. Jesus is waiting for us with open arms. If we would just repent of our sin and place our trust in his hands. And like Peter, we can, we can go back to be with the people of God because we know, even if we've been running from God, that Jesus and Jesus alone has the words of life. The second observation that we'll make about the text is that Peter and John, they ran to the tomb. And so, so Mary has gone to the tomb early in the morning and she's planning on anointing and caring for Jesus's dead body. And then she sees that it's not there. And so she runs, she runs back. And we don't know if it was like 30 feet or five miles. We, we, don't, we don't know, but she runs and she gets Peter and John and she says, the, the body's gone. And we don't, we don't know. And so Peter and John, they run. They, they run to the tomb. And the text tells us that John, he got there first, but then he waits for, for Peter to arrive. And he looks in and he sees the linen cloths. And the text tells us that John himself, he saw and he believed. And so, so let's ask two questions about that. Let's, let's first ask, well, what did he see? And so the text tells us that, that John saw the strips of linen. They were, they were lying there. The text tells us that, that Peter and John, after he looked back in, saw Jesus's face, face cloth, which would have been uh, separate from his linen uh, wrappings. And it was folded up neatly around uh, on where Jesus was laid. And let's not miss the most important thing that they, that they saw. They saw an empty tomb. And during this time in history, um, grave robbery was, was pretty normal. And so it's important that, that John, our author, notes that they saw the linen cloths and the, the face cloth folded up there because those would have been incredibly valuable. And so, so John, he's looking into this empty tomb and they're probably all thinking, man, someone stole our Lord's body. We just need to figure out where the body is. And, but John sees the linen cloths. John sees the faith, face cloth and the text tells us that he, he saw those things and he believed because he's realizing, oh, wait, this wouldn't be, 
this wouldn't be a grave robbery. Because if, if they had just robbed this tomb, then they would have, they would have taken, they would have taken the, the linen cloths with them. Those things are really, really valuable. And so, so if it isn't a grave robbery, and, and John would have been there when Lazarus was called out of his tomb. And if you go back and read uh, John chapter 11, where that happens, you see that Lazarus comes out still kind of wrapped up and entangled. And Jesus says, hey, hey, help him get out of that stuff. And so John is seeing that, okay, it wasn't, it's not like what happened with Lazarus and it's not grave robbery. So, so he believes. John saw the linen cloths and the face cloth and the empty tomb and he believed. And so what? What did he believe? And we look later in the gospel of John. This is John chapter 20, verse 31. John says, hey, I wrote this gospel. These are written so that you may believe that. And then he says some, some, some stuff. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so what did John see and believe? What did he believe? He believed the gospel. He believed that Jesus is the eternal son of God who was also the Christ, God's promised one, God's promised king to the people of Israel and all who would trust in his name. And that Jesus, he saw Jesus live a perfect life. And he knew that Jesus had been crucified. And we now know that Jesus's death on the cross is the only way that we can be forgiven of our sin. That Jesus's death pays the penalty for our sin. It sets us free from the slavery that we experience to sin. And so John is believing this and John is believing that Jesus really has conquered death in his resurrection, that Jesus is alive. And we learn later through the testimony of the apostles that Jesus eventually ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and he now intercedes for us. Anyone who has repented of our sin and placed our trust in God's son, Jesus the Christ, Jesus is now interceding for us, and one day he's going to come back. And in that day, he will make everything as it should be. Heaven will come to earth. And so John, he saw, and John believed. He believed in the name of Jesus. And so I wanna ask you, are you like John? Do you believe in the name of Jesus? Which is really a different way of asking, has, has Jesus changed your life? Because we find life in the name of Jesus by believing in his name. So the third observation we'll make about the text is that Peter and John, they went back home. And I love how the, how the text includes this detail because imagine that you're in their situation. So Peter and John, they, they're just hanging out at their house or whatever they're doing. And all of a sudden, Mary comes knocking on their door or shouting their name saying, hey, guys, Peter and John, Jesus's body, it's, it's missing, it's, it's gone. And they say, oh, okay. And so, so then they run to the tomb and they get there and the text had told us that well, when they get there, they see the linen cloths and John, he begins to believe. And so I just, I love imagining, so what were they thinking next? And, and it's clear, I think it's clear that they probably weren't exactly sure what, what to do next. It's like, okay, we've just seen the most life-changing, history-shaping event ever. I guess we'll just go home. <laughs> I mean, what, what, else, what else are they going to do? And, and just as, as a quick aside, I, I think a lot of us, we have experienced our Christian life a little bit like Peter and John in this piece of the text where maybe we've seen and believed and man, we, 
We know, like we know that Jesus is God. We know that he died to pay the penalty for our sin. We know that Jesus lives. We know that he's coming back. And so we've experienced this life-changing encounter with, with the living God. And, and we know that, that we, he's, he's changed us. But, but we're not exactly sure what to do next. And so we just go home. We, we, just, go, we just go back to what was normal for us before we met Jesus. And, and for, for those of us who, who would identify with that, uh, you know, we're, we're a little bit like the people that I mentioned at the beginning, where if I were to ask you, has Jesus changed your life? You would say, well, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in his name. I, I love him. But, but when I begin to think about specific ways that Jesus has changed my my life, I don't know, I don't know that I have any or many of those. After I gave my life to Jesus, I just kind of went home. And, and if that's you today, I want to encourage you. Jesus, he saves us from our sin and we get to live with him forever. And that's a really big deal. But he also calls us to follow him, to engage in a life where we're continually looking to God's word where he reveals himself to us and we're rejoicing and repenting. We're rejoicing and repenting. We're, we're looking at the promises and the faithfulness of God and we, we rejoice in who he is and what he has done. But we also take, take a posture of repentance because we know we're not there yet. I'm, I'm not there yet and you're, you're not there yet. So we look at God's word and we, we repent. We say, oh God, I see in your word that I'm supposed to think this way or feel this way or do this thing. And I've been doing that thing that's wrong or I've not been doing this thing that's right. And God, I, I'm, God, I'm sorry. And God, I'm going to repent of this sin to you. And I'm going to rejoice in the, in the forgiveness that I have in your son, Jesus. And this is a big reason why at LifePoint we have life groups because we, we need each other. And our tendency when we don't know what to do or when something life-changing has happened is maybe just to go back home. But we need each other. We, we need each other to encourage us, to pray for us, to challenge us so that in our relationship with Jesus, we don't just go home, but we go on mission and we begin to pursue the Christ-likeness that God calls us to and sharing the love of Christ everywhere we can possibly Go. So Peter and John, they went back home. Now, it's interesting to note in contrast, uh, Mary Magdalene, she doesn't go home. We look in verse 11 and we, we learn of John chapter 20, we, we learn that, that Mary, she, she doesn't follow Peter and John to just go back home, but she, she stands outside the tomb and, and she's just, she's weeping. And the text then tells us that she, she looks into the tomb and she happens to see two angels there and they begin to have a conversation with her. And then she, she turns around and, and John 20, 14 through 16, I'm, I'm gonna read for us. And so it says, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. As I was studying for, for today, I, 
I was struck by something that I'd never noticed in the text. And it's such a small detail, it's easy to miss. But I just want to point out to you that, that as Mary is having this interaction with Jesus, I want you to note, she still thinks he's dead. She, she says to this person that she presumes to be the gardener, she says, hey, like, sir, if you have carried him away, him being the dead body of Jesus, Mary still thinks Jesus is dead. She says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've taken him and I will take him away. And then Jesus says to her, Mary. And in that moment, she knew. In that moment, she saw and heard and believed that her Lord's body hadn't just been relocated by someone else and that she just needed to find it to take care of it, but rather that her Lord, Jesus the Christ, he's alive. Jesus calls her name. Can you imagine the joy that she felt in that moment? The joy that she felt knowing that this, this man who also we know is God, whom she loved so much, he wasn't dead, but he really was alive. Can you imagine the joy that she felt in that moment? Now, some of you, you're, you woke up today, honestly, like Mary. You thought that Jesus was dead. But let me tell you something. His tomb is still empty and he's still calling names. Jesus and Jesus alone has the power to give you and I life and his tomb is still empty and he is still calling names. Have you heard him call your name? Because he knows you. He died to save you. He lives now forever and ever and his tomb is empty and he's still calling names. My prayer for us is that all of us would find our life in the name of Jesus. May we hear his call and respond to him by hearing and believing. Let's pray together, please. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you that in your love for the world, you sent your son, Jesus. And his tomb is empty and he is still calling names to have fellowship with you through him, through his death and resurrection. Father, I ask on our behalf, God, that you would give us faith, that you would increase our faith, God, that we would hear you calling to us to trust your son for the first time or God to increase our trust in him and in his name because God, only, only you can save. Father, I ask that in the middle of this crisis, this disruption that we're all in the middle of, God, that you would remind us that our Lord, he lives. 
His tomb is still empty and he's still calling names. We love you. We pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.